I'm Bill Hoverston, an actor, writer, producer, stand-up comedian, and the host of But You're Not Funny, a podcast for young-at-heart boomers and boomers-to-be looking to live happier and healthier lives. Welcome to But You're Not Funny. My guest today is Hal Alpert, a longtime actor who's played so many parts, it's hard to keep track. But we're going to try to do that today and figure out why, after all these years, he's still very much on a roll. Welcome, Hal. Hi, and welcome to Mew, too. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks. Hey, I met you a few years ago at Mastery Circle Los Angeles. I loved hearing your exploits on stage and screen. (laughs) Now, at the time, Hal, I had paused my acting career to branch out into other areas. Radio news reporting, police beat reporting from LAPD headquarters for a wire service. I did some red carpet hosting at the Shrine Auditorium and the Pasadena Civic and sales, marketing, and public relations. But starting in 2017, I got back into the acting biz and you were a big help. Well, thank you. I didn't realize it's four years. You've come a long way in four years, too. Oh, thanks. Hal, you mentored me to get back in the game. And you referred me to your agent, Sean Brogan. And you always gave me encouragement. You have played, Hal, so many roles. Tell me about some of those. It's a lifetime of acting. I played a gangster. I played uh, a priest. I played a rabbi. I I once posed for a picture as a cardinal, uh, king of the uh, Israelites in a picture. Powerful. Had a long beard that they put on me. An entrepreneur of a hotel. I played a waiter. I was shot. And there I was on the, uh, in the morgue. We saw you. We saw you play the dead body. And Dana Delaney came over to me and said, comfy. <laughs> on this <laughs> I played a lawyer, the judge. I did a film. The film is called Benjamin. I read the script and I liked it very much. And the director was really terrific. It, it's a, a very lovely film, a very lovely little film that should make you cry. <laughs> well, you did, and I blame you for that. <laughs> I blame you for making my, me cry. It was well, a, maybe it was the director. It, uh, it was a stunning uh, turn in the plot, and it was real heart-rending stuff. Recently, I wrote and produced and acted in a short film, Mother's Day Memories. A lovely, lovely film, by Thank the way. Thank you. And I think both of them were about an older person who is facing some challenges. Uh, In my film, it's a different story. It's a woman with Alzheimer's and there's a family conflict. People can see that on mothersdaymemories.com. But in both cases, now I too have had people tell me how they needed tissues to watch the film. How do you feel personally? Do you really get into the emotional 
depth of the of that character or other characters that you're working on? Well, there I studied with Sammy Meisner. I studied with uh, Ilya Kazan, various major, major people. Got it. I said, but I don't act the way they act. I have to do my thing. When I read a part, I give myself to it. I, I let go of who I am, in a oh. sense, and okay. allow the role to take me over. So what I'm doing really is not me. It's the role. Mm. I heard an actress who did a lot of nude scenes on Shameless. And somebody asked her, how can you do these nude scenes? And in essence, she said, it wasn't me. It was the character. Was that Emmy Rossum? Yes, yes. Yes. But that's what her response was. And I feel the same way. Now, for what it's worth, I've done a couple of nude scenes and I feel the same way. It's, it's not me. It's the character. I don't even think about it. Well, you know, speaking of Shameless and speaking of nude scenes, I had an audition for a co-star role on Shameless as, of all things, an exotic dancer in a gay male club. <laughs> I uh, thought, boy, this is out of my range. I've, and I, I got back to the agent's assistant. I said, listen, I have studied ballet, jazz tap, musical comedy, comtac improvisation, freestyle jazz. I have never done exotic dancing or erotic dancing or anything like that. He said, ah, don't worry about it. Just go for it. And wouldn't you know how they actually had me on hold, meaning it was between me and one other guy. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, uh, life is to be lived. Do everything you can do that you love. Yeah. You know, I've been an actor all my life. I grew up in Brooklyn. And because of school being in Manhattan, I then moved by myself to Manhattan. I lived in Greenwich Village. Hmm. I, I, I graduated high school at 16 half of a scholarship to the New School of Social Research, which is right. now called the New School University, mm -hmm. which had a wonderful drama school. My first role, you could go out on auditions, and if you got one and you worked, it applied yep. towards your schooling. And Great. they taught everything, jazz, tap, ballet, acting, makeup, just about everything you could think of. And well, I had been in school now about six weeks and on the gig board, it said uh, they wanted actors who could dance. And I got the gig in a show called The Insect Comedy, directed by Jose Ferrer. Oh, nice. He was a marvelous, marvelous actor and a wonderful director. Right. An agent saw me, came backstage and asked if he could represent me. Wow. Well, I was 16 years old. What did I know? I said, sure, you know, you represent me. But it only ran six performances. And uh, that was it. But I became a member of Actors' Equity. Beautiful. Because of that. And then I was cast in the Broadway show, My Sister Eileen, with Shirley Booth. Hmm. She was a fantastic actress. So I've had a, a long, long career. This goes back a long time ago. Yeah. I, I think I think I have been fortunate. First of all, I'm doing something I love. Yep. 
I've been doing it all my life. I, I've made a living doing it. I, I live okay. I'm not a, certainly not a major star, but at least I work quite a bit. And you're, uh, a, wor you're a working actor, and that yeah, in itself. That in fact, itself. I was just cast in a short film, would you believe, just yesterday. I would believe it, actually. And <laughs> only from somebody who had seen me in something else. I didn't audition for it. Yeah. I, I've been very fortunate, just very fortunate. Oh, man. You have had, how you've had so many roles. It's yeah. amazing. Like, you've been the title role in a film called Brennan. You were a priest. And that's on Amazon Prime now, I believe. Yes. Brennan, because of who he was and what he did, and I, I'm not going to go into the whole story, sure. had a divorce. Mm. But his wife still loved him. And she wrote me a letter and said, despite the fact that Brennan and I were divorced, I still loved him. And you were so wonderful, you brought him to life for me. Oh. And that really, that was the best, the best fan letter I, I could ever have received. And he had passed away by that point. 2013, he passed away, yes. Wow. So you really, not only did the character live within you, but she was able to feel his presence through your work. Yeah. What a phenomenal I, experience. I tell you, that was, uh, the nicest thing that I ever had happen to me was that. That's beautiful. Although, although I have to tell you this. Yes. When I was doing the insect comedy, yep. I came out the stage door and there was uh, a few people there, autograph seekers, mm -hmm. and a woman came over to me and said, could I have your autograph? And I said, why would you want my autograph? I said, I'm no one. And she said, yes, but someday you will be. Oh! <laughs> that was just lovely. It was just a very nice experience. That's great. So, lady, if you are listening to this conversation, you know where to find him right now. Hal <laughs> Alpert. <laughs> well, anyway, Cal, being a priest, that was your good side. But you also, what about your bad side? I played a mafia, Don, and played a Jewish gangster. Mm. Like Bugsy yes, Spiegel. Yes. Mm-hmm. I played the priest. I played a rabbi. Okay. I played a cardinal. Boy, you really hit heavy on the on the religious angle, though, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> over sixty-five years, I've played so many different roles. You can't imagine. For the Scottish brogue, I played uh, an inspector. Ruff was his name. Wore a derby hat. Uh huh. Can you do the Scottish brogue for us? I sure I could do a Scottish brogue. It's easy as that. Ah, lovely. I can do, I don't know what it is, but I hear an accent that I can do it. When I did my sister Eileen, I played uh, a Brazilian admiral, young, handsome. I was not bad looking in those days. And all my lines were in Portuguese. Oh my gosh. And oh. they took Portuguese. Uh, phonetically, and mm. I to this day, after having been in it for a year, saying those lines, I can't forget that's the Bugala Bastante de Rotido and Noyota Gabuedo. That's Portuguese. <laughs> I remember touring, I was in a group 
called the Metropolitan Drama Guild, New York. We toured the Eastern Seaboard. Uh -huh. And each of us had a roommate. Okay. And my roommate was Mel Brooks. Oh, man. Yeah. And we hit it off pretty well. He was quite a nice guy. Now, uh, this is, tell me how, at what point in his career was he? Had he, he had no career at that point. <laughs> he was just the Mel Brooks. He, his name is Melvin Kaminsky and uh, no career. He was an actor. He was just starting him. out. He wasn't really anything. So how was that experience with him? What memories? Oh, we had great times together. He was crazy. I mean, he, the way you see him, that's how he was. <laughs> he was. Absolutely, he would do anything. He was crazy. Wow. He got me... Uh, I was in a show called Separate Rooms. Okay. I played a price fighter who was all washed up. There was a line in the show. I don't remember what the line was, but I had to stand facing the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. For audience members that don't know, the fourth wall is an imaginary wall. You're actually facing the audience. I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead, Hal. Okay, that's all right. Uh, and every time I said that line, I yep. got a laugh. I was in, I never forgot this. I was in Hamilton, New Jersey. Yep. I said the line, dead silence, and I walked off. You walked off. So yeah. I walked back on again, and yep. I said the line again. Right. Dead silence. I walked back off and took my pants off, came in my underwear, and said the line, then they left. Ah! <laughs> I learned to do things like that from guess who? <laughs> from from Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Now, was he doing stuff like that too? Well, I, he didn't teach me that, but you know, I learned to do shtick from him. So he got you in the mental frame of mind to be able to think of offbeat approaches like that. Oh, sure. Wow. Now that's inspiration. That is real uh, inspiration. That hey, was just fun at the actor studio. Uh, one of the people with whom I did scenes was Rod Steiger. Wow. And I was standing on the corner of someplace in New York, I think Fifth Avenue and something. And Rod had already been made, he made it, he was a star. Mm. There a guy yelling, Hal, Hal, and comes running down the street, it was Rod. He said, Hal, I saw you from a distance, how are you, blah, blah, blah. We never were great friends, but it was just nice, you know. Yeah. Greet it and say hello and how are you? Very nice. So there are nice people in the industry. You know, there are. There really are. And, you know, people, Hal, as you've heard and I've heard, talk about cutthroat stuff. And people try to psych you out and a lot of fighting, infighting and, and, and jealousy. But there are good people, yes, considerate are. people and help like you. One of the nicest, nicest people I ever met in the industry was Carl Reiner. Ah, tell, me, was, tell us about I, Carl. He was, in the, he was in the Bob Hope special. Okay. And I didn't expect him to remember me. We were both on a Betty White, uh, hot in Cleveland. We were both in that show. And I went over to him and I said, I know you don't remember me, Carl, but you and I did a show together many, many years ago. He said, what was that? I said, the Bob Hope special. Well, he had a memory that was unbelievable. He said, yeah, and he rattled off the entire cast of that show. Woo! He was wow. the sweetest, nicest guy you ever want to meet. Wow. He was a beautiful man. And he, he and Mel Brooks were 
bosom buddies. They saw each other every day, I think. Yeah. We are going to take a short break right now, and we'll be back with more of Hal Alpert showing us how to be on a roll. This is But You're Not Funny. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our website, butyourenotfunny.com. And we're back. This is But You're Not Funny, and my guest today is Hal Alpert. And he exemplifies being on a roll in more ways than one. Hal, I have seen you in some strange roles. I've seen you play a dead body on TV. Oh, yeah. That uh, was difficult. <laughs> Allison, she was just watching just out of the blue. She says, Hal's on TV. I come, where, where, where is he? Which one? He's the dead guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> another, another role, that kind of fun role, is where you're in a park. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just today, just today, someone says, oh, I've fallen and I can't get up, pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up on that commercial. Yeah, yes, and me. people might remember that commercial for Sprint and I play a barber. Yeah. That's, that's great. People remember me in commercials more than they do anything else. Oh my gosh. You, you have done so many, you played a guy in an Irish pub, an Irish guy in an Irish pub. Yes, yes, yes. Playing the fiddle and... Playing the fiddle, playing the piccolo. <laughs> Not really. Now also tell us about better things. Pamela Adlon. Yes. Who writes it, produces it, acts in it, and directs it, not all of them, is an absolute genius. And besides that, she's a wonderful person. I can't, I can't speak highly enough of her. She's absolutely wonderful in it, and she's just a lovely person and a delightful place to work. Wonderful. Now, uh, I play with her mother, and her two other women, uh, bridge. And mm -hmm. every time they have, they throw in a bridge scene, it's the four of us playing bridge. Right. You know, Hal, I actually had an audition for a guest star role on Better Things. You would have loved it. She is so wonderful, really. I can't speak highly enough of her, of all the people I ever worked with my entire life. She's the best. That's, I wish I had. Now, I wish I were older. The character was supposed to be in his 70s. So well, I couldn't play that. Well, I walked in and the casting director, Felicia Fasano, took one look at me and she said, oh, you're too young. What are you doing here? I said, How did you get here? I said, my, my, my agent <laughs> sent me. And she was like, all right, okay, let's, let's see what you can do. I did my best. It was a guy with a Boston accent, a Boston accent. And I've been there. I lived in Boston. I could do the accent. Anyway, she loved the accent. She loved the comedic aspect to it. And at the end, she and her assistant were cracking up. She said, yeah, you're right. adorable. And it was so much fun. So I didn't get the role. It would have been a guest star role. Didn't get it. But hey, it was a great time. And I made her laugh. So Maybe she'll remember me in the future. You never know. Everybody connected with better things. Somehow or other, Pamela 
attracts them. Ah. Oh. I, I, as I tell you, I can't speak more highly of her. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Yeah. She's a beautiful lady. You know, Hal, I wanted to also talk about another role that you have, but <clears> it was not on camera. It was the role of producer. Oh, I hated it. Oh, really? <laughs> this yeah, is I don't like being a producer. <laughs> However, the film, Traces of Memory, won 11 awards. Beautiful. Not because I produced it, but the actors oh. are very good. Don't be so modest. Maybe no, it had wasn't. nothing to do, I don't think, with my producing it, really. Yeah. But it, it was a really good short film. And I never, ever want to produce another one again. <laughs> Unless you can be in it. Unless I can be in it. Oh, yeah. I was in Mother's Day Memories, which I <laughs> produced. But man, the producing was so Listen, tough. You did a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. you. No, you did a really wonderful job producing. And I, you, I know you didn't direct it and acting in it. I think you were just, the film was absolutely wonderful. You know how, actually, thank you. Thank you so much. Actually, no, I did not. I purposely stayed out of the directing. Matthew Michael Ross, wonderful, wonderful director. I just said, you handle it, Matthew. And I'm just going to stick to executive producing and line producing. Oh, man. I think you had said, Hal. I did tell you, line producer. The first thing, Bill, you got to do is you got to hire a line producer. Yeah, no, it was it was a real commitment. But uh, yeah, the paperwork from SAG, from the payroll company, <laughs> from the insurance company, it was endless. You know, the stuff that's got to go back to Department of Homeland Security, to the IRS, and just on and on. <laughs> it was oh, crazy. I'll tell you a story Yeah, about traces of memory. We were on a deserted road. I had to make arrangements to have <clears throat> a highway patrolman on the road right. and the commission said to me take two highway patrolmen i said no 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 we can't afford to we'll take one it was a mistake if you have two you have one on one end of the road one on the other and they stop traffic for six minutes gotcha but i only had one so he couldn't stop traffic he could just guide the traffic ah. as a result we had to go back to pick up some shots. Yeah, one hour was all I figured it was going to take. I wasn't going to hire a highway patrolman. It cost $1,000. Yep. The, the leading lady, she's supposed to be standing in the road with a knife in her hand. I took her coat when they're ready to shoot. I hid behind a bush. And all of a sudden, I hear sirens getting louder and louder and louder. And then they were there. Uh-oh. Uh-oh was right. Four highway patrolman cars, eight highway patrolmen, guns oh. drawn, and I come out from behind the bush like, what's going on? They <laughs> said, drop the coat. I dropped the coat, he said, and put your hands on top of your head and turn, your, turn around and walk backwards to me. Oh, man. Now, this is because she had a knife. And you were nearby in the bush. She had the knife on her hand, and she's standing there with the knife, and she starts to walk toward them and say, oh, we're only shooting a film. And he says, drop the knife, and she still keeps walking. And again, I said, drop the goddamn knife. Jeez. Oh, and then they put me in handcuffs. Oh. 
until we could show them the film that we were shooting. And then they became our best friends and oh. we used part of it in the film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the best part was it was free. But, but I tell you, it was frightening. It was free. You didn't have to pay for the, <laughs> they didn't have to pay for the cops that time. Well, actually they weren't highway patrolmen, they were sheriffs. Oh, okay. And the highway patrolman that I had had previously, I had asked him, I said, how often have you pulled the gun out of your holster? He said, uh -huh. I, never have, I never did. He said, the people you have to watch out for are the sheriffs, they shoot first. And these were eight sheriffs. Whoa, it's a good thing they weren't trigger happy. Oh yeah. <laughs> One of my classmates was Harry Belafonte. Wow. He was a senior, I was a junior. But we had a nodding acquaintance. I was in a film with him, but I was kibitzing a chess game between Anthony Hopkins and Harry Belafonte. And when they cut, I went over to Harry and I said, I know you probably don't remember me, but I went to the new school with you. And he went, Duke Manti. Well, in the new school, I was in a play called The Petrified Forest, and I played Duke Mantee. Wow, what a memory. Yes. That was unbelievable, unbelievable that he could remember me from the way I look now to the way I look then, which is entirely different. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive. That was astounding. That was absolutely astounding. Uh, I met my wife. She was singing on the Steve Allen program. I was home, I was sitting with my mother who was always after me, why don't you get married? Why don't you get married? You get me a wife, I wanna have uh, grandchildren. <laughs> Jewish mother. And this girl came on singing and I said, all right, if I meet her, I'll marry her. And I met her. Just somebody fixed me up with a blind date, it happened to be her. We fell in love and got married. That's years and years ago. Years and years and years and years. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, cool. No children, though. No kids. No kids. Yeah. I remember the Astor drugstore in New York where all the actors used to hang out. Uh -huh. And you'd meet everybody. I mean, Broadway stars, all the actors. And that was when a tuna fish sandwich was 10 cents. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's wonderful to hear these stories and kind of live vicariously. This has been a lot of fun talking with you, too. Thank you. It's yeah. been a pleasure, Bill. It really has. You brought back a lot of old memories for me. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, Hal, we know that you're still on a roll. Still on a roll, and that's that's exciting, and that's encouraging. You know, like you're never too old. You're never too old to write a book. You're never too old to play a role. Maybe it's not in a film. Maybe it's community theater, whatever it is. If you want to do it, and you said it, you're never too old to do something you want to do. You're never too old to do it. Go and for me. I'm Methuselah, and I'm still going. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a question for you, Hal. Okay. What have you learned or how have you changed by inhabiting these various roles? In other words, what did the characters give you? 
the most I got from any character was from Brennan. His philosophy was, God loves you just the way you are, because nobody, nobody is the way they should be. I, I don't believe particularly about God, because I don't know uh, if there is or isn't. I put it another way that you should be the way you are. Don't look to be something you're not. Be who you are. You know, there's, this is a beautiful takeaway, Hal, for our audience. I think so. You know, too many people try to emulate others. Mm. Be who you are. Live your life the way it was meant to be lived for you. Yeah. And isn't that a way for us to relate to other people, too? But the right? way you are. The way you are. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Hal. This has been a tremendous uh, opportunity to sit with you, to hear your wisdom and experience oh. and anecdotes. And uh, <laughs> hey, Hal, would you please share with our audience um, any contact information? My agent. Anybody wants me, call my agent. Sean Brogan. Sean She's Brogan. 310-450-9700. Okay. And she's beautiful too. Hear that everybody? <laughs> There's <laughs> another reason to get in touch. No, I mean, she is beautiful. So if they want to reach you, they can reach you through Sean. Right. Terrific. Well, Hal, thank you so much for your time on the show. I really appreciate it. And this has been, this has been a, such a pleasure, Bill. Uh, same here. Thank you for your generosity of your time and your willingness to share your life with people who are listening and, and uh, watching. I hope they enjoy it. Uh, I'm sure people will. So this is But You're Not Funny. You can hear us on all audio podcast platforms or see us on YouTube. Everybody be on a roll. Bye. Thanks for listening to But You're Not Funny. Please subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bill Hoverston. You can see my work at BillHoverston.com. It's been a pleasure.